did last week, uh, and that is, um, I was, I was, I was demonstrating to you, hopefully, um, about praying the names of God. And uh, there's a lot of names of God, but so I only chose ten names that we were going to go through. So we went through. Uh, does anybody have your piece of paper? Did we do? I, we did. Uh, uh, Yahweh Nisi, didn't we? Yeah, that's. I think that's the last one we did. And then we got to Yahweh Shalom. Is that the next one? Okay, thank you, thank you. I, I, I thought I was in the right place. Just want to make sure. Uh, so we got through uh, four of them. And uh, then we want to do the last four. And I'm sorry, I went back to look. I, I think I, I, I distributed all the, all the sheets. I had, had some sheets, distributed all the sheets last week. Uh, and uh, so I don't have any more of those. Um, so, so what we want to do in this is just to demonstrate you, is really trying to enhance our prayer life. Because if you're not careful, if you don't do something to structure your prayer life, then what you do you, what, what you end up doing is you end up praying the same thing again and again and again, and you never move past that. And usually what that entails is just praying for yourself or maybe branching out and praying for someone else, but it never goes beyond that. And so what we've been doing uh, in, our, in our study, and we're going to get back to that study probably after this week, We'll get back to the study and finish it up, and then I'm working on the spiritual gifts. So that'll be the next. I've, I've ordered your spiritual gift test. So the first thing we do when we get the spiritual gifts, I'm going to give you a spiritual gift test uh, and let you take that and uh, see where you are, uh, see what kind of gifts you manifest in your life. So that's coming up. Uh, but, um, but, but with, with that, um, as we're... As we're, as we're doing this, and, and, and this last part of this study we're doing is like the Lord's Prayer. And you remember in the Lord's Prayer, you always begin with our Father. So denotes that relationship between you and God. Because that's one of the unique things about us and our Christian faith. We're really the only faith that I'm aware of. Now, I, I may be you know, maybe others out here who claim this, but we can claim it without, we can claim it with evidence that we can have a personal relationship with our God. Most other religions do not have that. They see God as some entity far away that cannot intermingle, that cannot mix, that you, and, and, and if you ever get in any kind of relationship with him is something you have to work, as those who believe in reincarnation believe, you have to work through many lifetimes to ever get to that knowledge of God. But that is not the case in Christianity, nor in Judaism. I said we're the only faith. Judaism believes in that personal relationship. And that was demonstrated with the tabernacle that God instructed Moses to build. He, you know, he made this statement, and, and this is the statement that, that kind of clinches that, uh, is when they were giving Moses, and he was giving Moses the, the instructions. He told him that in that tabernacle, in the innermost part of it, in that most holy place, that he was to build uh, a, an Ark of the Covenant. And on the Ark of the Covenant was the mercy seat. And on the mercy seat 
there were two cherubim. They, they were to kind of construct two cherubim out, each one out of one piece of gold. In other words, they took one lump of gold and literally crafted each one of those pieces. They were not like, you know, like pieces you have now. Their hands were attached and their wings were attached. It was all beaten out of one piece of gold. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a craftsman's masterpiece. But, but, but here's the point, not that. Here's the point, is that he said to Moses, between the wing, wings of the cherubim, now remember, the cherubim, the image of the cherubim on the mercy seat. The wings spanned over the mercy seat like this. And the, and the mercy seat is here. He said, between the wings of the cherubim, I will meet you there. So that, that, that's indicative of that personal relationship. Uh, and, 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 and the beautiful thing is, but yet only the high priest could go in there. So there was a limitation even with Judaism, but with Jesus Christ. Remember when Jesus Christ was crucified. Something significant happened on that day as he hung on the cross. Something took place as he hung on that cross, which forever nullified that separation between God and man. Remember what happened? As he hung on the cross, something happened. Something significant. In the temple. The veil separating the holy place from the most holy place was torn. Not from the bottom to the top. Very specific. From the top to the bottom. As if the hand of God took and ripped that veil in two. And therefore, there was now no separation between God and man because of Jesus Christ. So we're unique uh, in that. So that's getting, that's getting back, back to why I, I'm, 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 I'm instructing you and giving you these, these, these tools about learning to pray the names of God. Because when you pray the names of God, you're praying His character. We're starting with our Father. And I really think for all of us, and for the church as well, and that's me, I'm, I'm beeping. Um, uh, the, but, but for all of us, we, we've got to learn to go past just praying for our needs. You've got to get past that. You've got to go beyond that to have that real relationship with God. And so part of that is praying his names. Uh, so let, let's just, let's, let, let, me, let me go back. Let me just do a little bit, little review, okay? Uh, so when we look at, we start with the name Yahweh. I am who I am. Uh, and so uh, we're not necessarily uh, praying that name specifically, but the names that are attached to Yahweh as we find in the scriptures. The first name we find in the scriptures is El Elohim. Now, it's not El Elohim. El is the singular. El is the, is, is the Hebrew word for God. Elohim is the plural for God. Often you will find uh, in, the, in, the, in the Hebrew when, there, when there's references to the idolatrous pagan gods, 
they will be referred to as Elohim. But, but, but there's always that distinction made between the one true God and these others that claim to be God. So you got this El Elohim, uh, the God creator, the mighty and the strong one. And then we, uh, then, then we looked at Yahweh Yara, uh, which is the Lord will provide. And then we looked at Yahweh Rapha, which probably more people recognize that than any other, because especially in, and, and I, I don't, don't, don't take me wrong in this, but in that, in that prosperity gospel, faith, faith healing movement. I mean, look, there's nothing wrong. I believe in faith. I believe in faith healing, because healing comes by faith. Uh, but in, in that movement, that was, that was, that was used. Uh, Jehovah, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. Uh, and then uh, we, we ended with this one, uh, Yahweh uh, Nisi, uh, the Lord, our banner. As I mentioned to you uh, last week, this is only used one time in the Old Testament, uh, and that uh, was when that, uh, that battle, uh, that the first human battle that the children of Israel uh, was faced with after they came in captivity and in the wilderness, I believe it was the uh, Amalekites, or some, uh, some, some kite came, came, came against them. Somebody came against them. And, uh, and Moses, he went up on a, on a mound, and he lifted up his arms and the, and the staff that God, the rod that God had given, the rod of power God had given to him. And as long as he kept his arms lifted up, they, they succeeded in the battle. Whenever he got tired and his arms would drop down, then the uh, warring tribe would succeed. And so uh, 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 Aaron and her, uh, they went up and they, they took his arms, they kept his arms held up for a number of hours and the Israelites were able to gain control. And so they named that place uh, Yahweh Nisi, the Lord, our banner, our covering, our protector. So that's where we stopped at last week. Now we're going to move into the next one, Yahweh Shalom. Now, again, this will be one very familiar. Most people are familiar with the term Shalom. You hear it. Uh, and it's a, it's a uh, matter of fact, in the Jewish community, uh, when, when someone in the Jewish community, when they greet you, they're going to greet you with Shalom. Uh, when you leave, they're going to greet you or they're going to say goodbye with Shalom. So shalom is their hello, and shalom is their goodbye, which means peace. And that is what shalom means, the Lord our peace. Uh, matter of fact, the city of Jerusalem itself, the, 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 the city is, uh, the Jebusites are the one who uh, occupied before David took it over and claimed it to be the city of God. Um, the, the, the Jebusites are the ones who, who uh, controlled that area. And it was called Jeru Shalom. Jeru Shalom, which we translate as Jerusalem. So it literally means the city of peace. Well, well, it hasn't lived up to its name. Uh, there's always somebody trying to trying to claim that city, uh, but it's going to be the city of peace because you know why it's going to be the city of peace. Because Jesus Christ. The Prince of Peace is one day going to come up and take residence in that city and take control of it. 
So, uh, so, uh, so when, we, when we use this, when we, when we, when we, we pray in that name, uh, Yahweh Shalom, it's, it's the name we're inviting God's supernatural peace in our lives. Uh, praise Him for carrying your burdens and your worries. Ask Him to fill you with His peace that surpasses understanding. And ask him to give you rest. If, I th- if, if there's one thing this world is lacking, as far as I'm concerned, a- as a whole, is peace. I mean, there's, 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 there's upheaval everywhere. And, and look, you really need to understand this. If you don't, I, I, and, and I, I don't try to be a hyper-spiritualist, and, 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 and if you understand even what that means, But we're in a battle, and it's not a battle with Iraq. It's not a battle with Iran. It's not a battle with Hamas. It's not a battle with Hezbollah. It's not a battle. It's not, it's not a, a, a as, as Paul said to the Ephesian church, we don't wrestle against one another. Principalities and powers and rulers. I have just finished the book. I don't know if I want to recommend it to you or not. Uh, but I'm, I'm telling you, have, have any of you heard of, of um, and we're going to pray, uh, has any of you heard of Jonathan Kahn? He wrote, the first book he wrote uh, was called The Harbinger. And, and what, what Jonathan does, he, he is actually a Messianic Jew. He is considered a rabbi. He has rabbinical training. And, uh, and in any way, um, the, his, his, his forte is taking what he calls mysteries from the past, from ancient civilizations and ancient Israel, and tying them to what is happening today. And so the last book he has written is called The Return of the Gods. And I've just finished reading it. If half of what he says is true, yeah, it is. It, 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 is, it is a bit, it is a bit on the on the fright. It, 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 it is when you think about. But the man makes a lot of sense. And he, he calls it return of the gods. Because when you get up to what is called pre-Christianity, that is for the advent of Christ. The world was full of, 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 of gods. In the Old Testament, what caused the nation of Israel so much problem? All of these pagan gods. And they were just absolutely enamored with them. They loved them. They sought after them. And, 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 and God, Yahweh, kept telling them, no, no. That's the reason when you read the Old Testament, you see these mass destructions that take place and all of these things happening. We sit back and wonder, 
Why in the world would God tell them to go in and kill men, women, and children, kill everything there is? I mean, that is barbaric. Just think about what's happening in Hamas right now, uh, in Gaza, with, with Hamas right now. What is, the cry, what is the cry around the world? Genocide, genocide, genocide. Israel is committing genocide. Uh-uh. Hamas is the one who's propagating genocide because they want to annihilate Israel. Well, here's his contention. And if you want to get it, read it. If you want to borrow it, I'll, I'll lend it to you. It's, 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 not, it's not difficult reading, but it is. But here's the contention. I'm going to give you the contention of the book. And I don't know if this has anything with peace or not, but it's something you need to hear. That in the Old Testament, there were three main gods. There's a multiplicity of them. There were three main gods. One of them you recognize, well, you recognize all of them. All of them are mentioned in, in, in the Scriptures. What, what God is probably mentioned more than any of that you would recognize? What would be his name? You know his name. It's a four-letter word. Starts with a B. Ends with an L. <laughs> and two A's in between. <laughs> Baal, there you go, you got it. In uh, the Hebrew, it would be Baal. Baal. Baal was one of the major gods. When they came out of Egyptian captivity, Moses went up to the mountain to receive the law from the hand of God on Mount Sinai. The people began to rebel and said, where is this Moses? He's brought us out here, left us out here, deserted us. We don't even know if he's ever going to come back again. You need to do something, Aaron. So what was Aaron's solution? You remember? Create something for them to worship. So he told them, break off your jewelry, your earrings, your nose rings. He said, they, they really did wear all that stuff back then. I'm sure it was just as ugly then as it is now. Um, <laughs> or at least it is to me. I, I, you know, if you got one, you got one. But I, they're just ugly to me. Um, I'm not saying they're wrong, but I'm just saying they're ugly. Uh, if you think they're pretty, you just go right and knock yourself out. It is all right. Nose rings, yeah. Nose rings. No, not, not ear rings, no. But the, the, these nose rings and tongue rings and that. <laughs> I should not have done that. That was ugly. That was ugly. Um, I tell you. But anyway, despite all of that, okay, he said, break off your jewelry, bring it to me. He melted it down, and he crafted the image of a bull calf. That was the image of Baal, a calf, a bull calf. That was one God. Another God you see mentioned in the Old Testament, but you also see her. This is a female goddess who is, um, is referenced uh, in the New Testament more so. Um, you may be able to call the name. Let me see. Let me see if I can wrangle it out of you. In the book of Ephesus, well, it's really not in the book of Ephesus. You see it in the book of Acts, but it happened in Ephesus. Paul went to Ephesus, and there was no small stir about him being there. And the accusation against Paul was that 
because people were getting saved. And because people were getting saved, they were doing away with their images, with their idols, with the primary, primary goddess of Ephesus went by the name, in, as it's in the book of Acts, by the name of, starts with the D. Matter of fact, she, the princes of Wales that got killed in a car rash had the same name. Diana, there you go. <laughs> princess, no, no, no. Diana. Also, in the Old Testament, name is uh, Asherah or Asherah. Aphrodite is the Greek Roman name. Same goddess. She's a goddess of fertility. Now, the thing about, now, now, Baal represented greed, materialism, that kind of thing. Asherah, Ishtar, and also is another name. Aphrodite, Diana, Asherah. Think about this guy. She's a goddess of fertility. And around, they, in, in, in the ancient world, they would build these temples to, to this goddess. And that was the uproar. Because the silversmith in that city, his name is Demetrius or, or something like that, he started a, a riot because they were losing business. You see, that demonstrates to me what's missing in the Christian community and our culture today. There was a time that Christianity had an influence on culture. Matter of fact, they accused Paul of turning the world upside down. People stopped going to the temple. They stopped buying the images of this grotesque goddess. They, they, so so it, was, it, was, it was working into their economy. It was changing their economy. And we're not going to have any part of it. And so they started a riot that day. It finally got, 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 got squashed. But the thing about this goddess, one of the things that is characteristic of her, and this comes out of ancient writings, that she speaks of herself, or th this, this is the term, I am woman, I am man. I am woman, I am man. She presented herself as a fierce warrior. Are you seeing some parallels? That was the whole thing of losing gender identity. I am not solely a woman, female. I am not solely 
a man. Third God, Moloch. You see Moloch in the Old Testament. Anybody remember anything about Moloch? I don't expect you to, you know. This is the one, this is one the children of Israel were enamored with. Now, they, they liked all of them. They, they were attracted to all of them. But this is one they really, really liked. They liked Moloch. And, and, and Yahweh called it an abomination. See, all of these gods require sacrifice. Baal requires sacrifice. Asher requires sacrifice. Moloch requires sacrifice. I'm going to ask a rhetorical question. Do you know what Moloch required to sacrifice? The children. Give us, give me your children. And they burn them. Parents would bring their children and burn them as a sacrifice to this God. The contention of Jonathan Kahn, and I, I, I tell you, I, I, I read everything with a grain of salt. I don't, I don't jump on somebody's bandwagon, but I'm telling you, the man makes a lot of sense. What, he, what his contention is in the book is pre-Christian, there were all of these gods, and they had free reign. Something happened that changed all of that. Jesus Christ came into the world. And with the advent of Jesus Christ and the spread of, of the gospel, these gods had to go into the shadows. He uses as the premise of his book, remember that parable where Jesus told, he said, there was a man that, that, um, that, that had a demon. The demon was cast out. His house was clean. And the demon came back sometime later to the house he had been cast out of. And he found it swept and empty. So he went and brought seven other demons. And they occupied the house. And the state of the person was worse in the end than it was in the beginning. What he is saying is that with the advent of Christianity, the rise of the church, and the rise of Western civilization, which is epitomized in the United States, remember, we used to be called a blank nation. But one of our past presidents made a proclamation. Well, I won't call any names. 
But one of our past presidents, what did he proclaim? We are no longer a Christian nation. Now, he backpedaled it. He tried to cover it up, but he said it. He caught himself in the moment. But he said, we are no longer a Christian nation. What does that mean for us? It means if we have removed prayer from school, there was a move to remove the Ten Commandments out of all government facilities. What is that? That's removing God from your culture, separation, this, 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 this ungodly tolerance, acceptance, Remember what happened in 1973? Roe versus Wade. Abortion became the law of the land. Abortion on demand became the law of the land. You move on down a few decades later. There was a bill introduced, the Marriage Defense Act, which in other words, that, that bill said that marriage is defined as a relationship between a man and a woman, and other, other unions are not recognized. But then what has recently happened? Now, same-sex unions are the law of the land. Homosexuality that once was considered Aberrant, deviant, sinful behavior is now considered mainstream behavior. There have been over 20, 30 million babies that have been sacrificed on the altar of Moloch. See what's happened. That 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 that's true. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with uh, um, what has happened when you remove God from the equation. You create a void. We used to be the bastion of Christianity. We used to be the bastion of of, of world evangelism. But now what has happened? Now we have become the mission field. We still send a lot of missions out, missionaries out. We still, we still support a lot of mission groups. But now mission groups around the world are coming to the United States because we are so blessed pagan. Because we are no longer one nation under 
when the house is empty. The demon driven away. But when it came back and found the house empty and void, it moved in with seven more. You want to know why we're in the mess we're in right now? It's because the gods have returned. end of our state will be worse than the beginning. That's the reason you may not want to read it. I've just given you a synopsis of the book. I know a lot of people say that, but when I read through this, he just confirmed things I've been preaching for the last two decades. Things I've been sharing, things I've been saying, and people look at you like, We are in a spiritual battle. Decisions that are being made are controlled by demonic powers. In every second. And see, in one of the problems, and, and please, 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 I am not grouping every church. There's some great growing churches out there. But a lot of churches have abandoned the truth of God's word. They're scared to preach. They're scared to preach the truth. Because if I preach the truth, then it's going to offend somebody. Somebody's got some money, might be offended, might leave. Love you. Farewell. I don't mean to be ugly. I don't mean to be, 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 be brass or, or crude. We are accountable. I'm accountable to God. I have to stand before God Almighty. If there's any time that's what I keep telling you again and again. If there's ever been a time we need to stand and stand firm and stand strong against this tide. That, that section in, in there about, uh, about the female goddess. I mean, if it does not speak to our culture and where we're living at right now, and then when I look at churches that have embraced that, when I look at the, at the news and these churches and, 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 and their leaders, I'm assuming they're female, but a little like more males than females. They're leading the churches. They've invaded the ranks of the church. Is it any wonder the church is, has, has, is having no impact on our culture? We don't see a difference. Churches are growing in many sectors. Biggest, we've, had, we, we've got more mega churches than you shake two sticks at, something we hardly never heard of. But yet, what's the impact of these mega churches? 
God forgive me, I don't mean this to be hate speech, but what is Joel Olstein doing? To change, to change the culture. My God, he's influenced millions of people. What are we doing to influence our culture? I mean, I'm, I'm under conviction. I'm just, I'm just going to tell you, I'm under conviction. What are we doing? We cannot... I, it is, I, I, we cannot go to hell in a handbasket. I don't know. I don't know if we can turn anything around or not. But I'm telling you. I keep telling you. I'm gonna keep on telling you. We are closer to the end than we have ever been. And I think that's the only thing that's gonna stop. That's that's and they're caught and they're in the churches. They're in the churches, and there's lots of gods out there that are being, you know, and 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 and, and churches holding on. You oh, you can be what you want to be. You can live like you want to live. You can embrace whatever you want to embrace. And we're not. Hey, we're just here to make you happy. We. Well, I, I, I don't disagree with you, Jamie. Now, sure, we ought to feel good about ourselves. We ought to feel good about ourselves because we're living for the Lord Jesus Christ. We're doing the right thing. That's what, that's what ought to make us feel good. Well, I didn't intend to do this tonight. This was not on my agenda. I guess it was on my heart. If you, if you care to look at the book, and I'm just going to give you a synopsis. It's called Return of the Gods. Jonathan Kahn, C-A-H-N. You can buy it on Amazon. I think that's where I bought it from. It's not, it's not expensive. If you want to borrow mine, I'll just, just tell me. I'll bring it. I'll, I'll let you. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's written several books. Um, the Harbinger, again, was the first one. There was another one called, I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce it. I, I pronounce it uh, The Mystery of the Shemate, uh, Shemate, or whatever it's pronounced. And I be I never could finish that one. I, it, it, it was it it was so over. <laughs> it was it was it was it was so steeped in in mystery and and symbolism and and he 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 he, he lost me on that one. And so I, I've not picked it. But actually, a friend of mine um, who who is struggling and um, and, and is. We're not, he's not, I guess, well, he is, he's struggling with his faith. He's, I mean, bless his heart, he's, he spent the last 20 years in prison. And now he's gotten out, and now he doesn't know what to do with himself. And so the demons are, demons are really working hard against him right now. And uh, so he contacted me, and he wanted to know what I thought of, was this a safe book to read? Well, I, I said, well, I, I can't tell you. I said, well, let me get it. Let me read it. So I've, I've read it. 
Look, we're in trouble. But as Paul said to the church, and I'm, I'm taking this out of context. As Paul said to the church at Thessalonica, we don't weep as those who have no hope. We may be in trouble, but we ain't hopeless. We may be in trouble, we may be in trouble, but don't mean we can't have peace. As we pray this name of God, Yahweh Shalom. He is the source of our peace. Peace I give unto you. Not as the world, Jesus said, give I unto you. The peace of the world ain't peace. Peace of Jesus Christ is that peace that is settled no matter what's, what's boiling around you, what's stewing around you, no matter what life looks, no matter how hellacious life may be, no matter how hard the gates of hell are trying to prevail against you, that peace says, here I am. And here I stand. And I will not be moved off my conviction that Jesus Christ who is, who, is, is who he says he is. And that's where I'm at right now. I'm not going to be moved. That's right. Like a tree that's planted by the waters, I shall not be moved by the current culture, by the times we live in. You know, just because, as my, my mama used to say, I need, I need to write a book about mama's sayings. She had more sayings than anybody I've ever seen. She should have been a philosopher. But she says, you know, and I, I, I've shared this with you before. She used to say all the time, well, it's because everybody else jumped in the river. You're going to jump in the river too. Did Mom ever tell you that or may use some other analogy? That, 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 jumping in the river is the worst thing because Mama was definitely afraid of water. And so that was the most fearful thing she could think of was jumping off into a, a body of water and she couldn't swim. Um, you know, and, and so I think we need to have that same resolve. No matter what everybody else is doing. And so therefore, when fads and fashions and things come along, I think, and I've always been too overcautious. But sometimes you have to, you have, you have to weigh, is this really of God or not? It was, it was uh, who, who was it? Who, who, who started the um, vineyard movement. Uh, is that John Wimber? I don't want John Wimber. No, I don't remember. Whoever, whoever started the, the vineyard, if you don't know what the vineyard movement is, the vineyard movement, it, it, is, it is Pentecostal in, in, uh, in, in nature. But it actually started this seeker-sensitive movement in in Christianity. And said, so I don't know what you're talking about, seeker-sensitive. What the, the basis of the seeker-sensitive is, you know, people aren't coming to church. So we've got to figure a way to, to get people in the church. And so what, what was come up with, what, 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 this, what this, this guy came up with, oh, God, it's on the tip of my tongue, I just can't call it is let's make the church less like church 
and more like the culture they're coming from. So therefore, let's do away with sanctuaries like this. Let's do away with anything that smacks of traditional Christianity because that, that repels people. And I'm not saying that's not the truth because for a lot of people it does repel people. So let's let the let's let the music sound like they like, like it sounds in the local bar when they go to the bar. So let's let our churches now, rather than look like church traditional church buildings, now I'm just I'm just telling the philosophy. Let's let them look more like theaters, not clubs. So let's paint the walls black because you go to a nightclub. What is what is it? What's the how long has it been since you've been in a nightclub? A long time since I've been in a nightclub. But the nightclubs I used to go to back in the day, what did they look like? Dark. Dark, black. Everything was painted black. And so then you create an atmosphere in that environment with your lights, flashing lights, Create this sense of excitement. Yeah, this, this upbeat, lively music. And so let's, 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 let's let them, let's, we're going to bring them in. And they did. They brought them in by droves. But several decades down the road, the founder, he was actually, the, the, the movement was, was called the Vineyard. The church was Willow Creek. That's where it all started from, Willow Creek. It's at California. You know, everything starts in California. But decades later, matter of fact, he, he left his office out of disgrace. He comes to find out that he was having some illicit affairs with some women. And so he, he, has, he has since stepped down. But later, before that was revealed, before that came out, he apologized. And he said, what happened in our zeal to draw people in, we did not disciple them. We were concentrating on getting the masses in and we did not disciple. So therefore, we created a generation of Christians who don't know how to be Christians and what it means. So see, there's fine lines in all of this stuff. You want people to come in. We do. We're praying and we're believing God. But at the same time, when they come in, it's not just about bringing people in. You've got to bring them in and they've got to be discipled. They've got to be taught. They've got to be trained. They've got to know what it is to be a Christian. To be a follower of Jesus Christ. That makes sense. So, this, let me tell you where I've come down at in all of this. 
And I don't have the answers, folks. I wish I did. My God, I am struggling. I'm thinking, God, here in the twilight of my ministry, why, why are you putting me through this? I wanted to, is John Wimber? That's okay with John Wimber. I mean, I wanted to coast on through. He ain't let me coast. Now, that's right. He ain't let me out that sleepy. I'm just being transparent with you folks. I'm just, I'm just telling. I'm just telling. But this is my conclusion. And this is not unique to me. This is not something that I did. Uh, that only, only, only God spoke to Elvin about this. No, this is the conclusion of many of us. I want the church to be the church. Not a model of what somebody says the church ought to be. And so how do we discover what the church is supposed to be? Thank you. You model it after the Bible, after the Scriptures. Because that's where we have the model of what the church of Jesus Christ ought to be like. You say, well, this is the 21st century. That was written, that, that, that was, that was written 2,000 years ago. How can we rely upon that? Let me tell you something. Still the truth. Still good for today. So I think what you're going to see in these last days, you're going to see more and more churches going back to the basics. I've said it over and over again. God could care less what kind of sanctuary you worship in. He could care less if you sit on pews, if you sit on chairs, or if you sit on the floor. He could care less. He don't care about that mess. He don't care what color the walls we paint. All he cares about is the church be the church that he can recognize. Because it's not my church. It's his church. He, that's right. He wants us to be about his business. That's the reason I tell you, we need, to, we need to be about the kingdom of God business. That's when I keep talking about miracles and the, 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 the supernatural acts of God. That's what the early church was about. The word was confirmed by supernatural acts. Not by how big your praise team is or how big your choir is or, or anything else. How many songs you sing or don't sing or if it's... Contemporary, as I told you Sunday morning, if you sing a song, that day is contemporary. That's why you said so that, so that crowd says you only can sing contemporary. We don't want the old. Well, if I sing it today, it ain't old. It's contemporary. So just get over it. I, yeah, I don't mean to be ugly. But I, hope, I hope I'm making sense. And I don't know how to change all of this. I don't, I'm struggling with what to do. All I know is, is just get back to the basics. Preach the word. Teach the word. 
live the word, be filled with the spirit, allow him to move. It's his work, not mine. His doing, not mine. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just part of this one reason we're going to be spiritual gifts. I hope it'll be refreshing to it. I hope as we talk about the spiritual gifts, because that's how, that's how he chose for the church to operate and move, is we work in our, in our giftedness, whatever that giftedness is. Well, Lord, gee, I guess we need to pray. I've done all this. We ain't prayed a lick. Forgive me. But let's pray. Well, we'll finish up this next week. But let's, let's pray for peace. Peace of God. Yahweh Shalom. Jesus Christ. Lord, as you uttered those words, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, my peace I give unto you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Father, Lord, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that we in this troublesome time... In this time of turmoil, in this time of upheaval, in this time of change, Lord, change, Lord, sometimes I feel like I'm being run over by change. Sometimes I feel like that God is more than I can take. And sometimes, Lord, I just want to escape from it all and just let, just sit back and just let it pass by. But I know I can't do that, God. I know that's not the right thing to do. I know that's not the right approach to it. So, God, I know in this time of change this 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 is everything's changing our world has changed and lord jesus everything around us has changed but my god in the midst of all of this change i rely upon one thing and one thing only that is my relationship with you you are the prince of peace you are the author of peace you're the king of kings you're the lord of lords you're the god of heaven you're the god of earth you're the God of yesterday. You're the God of the day. You're going to be God tomorrow. And Lord, let the gods come back. And they have come back. But the same thing that drove them to the shadows, Lord, is the same one that can drive in them into the shadows now. Lord, others may, others may be at, or at their altars giving their sacrifices unto Baal and unto Ishtar and Lord Jesus unto Moloch. But God, we don't have to be among that number. We don't have to be at their altars. We don't have to be sacrificing to them when the whole rest of the world is saying, come on, join us. This is the flow. This is the way of it. God, I don't have to go with the flow. I don't have to go with what everybody else is doing, but I can go with what you are and what you're doing. And Lord, open our eyes and let us see. And God, help me to preach the word. Help me to teach the word. Help me declare your truth. Help me to stand upon, Lord Jesus, what I know is right and good. People can call it old and antiquated and outdated and outmoded, but you're the ancient of days. And I will stand by you, my God. And you will stand by us. So, Lord, we speak peace. Peace to troubled souls. Peace, oh God, do we speak unto us all. In Jesus Christ's name, amen and amen. Amen. God bless you.
God keep you. Amen.